0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, once upon a time, I was a college student that you all welcomed to this church, um, my wife as well, so, and I blinked and I'm about to be 45, so, <laughs> but I, I say that to say that uh, we, we um, love the IEP students and any other local college students that are able to. To come to this church. We, we want that to be a priority. One of the things I would ask you all to do is be praying for the students as they return. Um, I believe uh, IUP starts August 23rd. So begin to pray as you see them kind of slowly move back into town uh, rather than grumbling and complaining that Walmart and other places are getting more crowded. Thank the Lord and ask the Lord to save every college student that you see. Let's pray and then we're going to jump in today's message. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us today. Everyone who is in this room and everyone watching, we want to be changed by you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. In a bit, we're going to look at Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. So just mark your spot there. We're in our fourth week of our series on the Holy Spirit, which will take us through August, through the, the rest of the summer. And the, the series is entitled, For Our Advantage. And it's, it's taken from Jesus' words in John 16:7, where he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. So it is for our advantage that Jesus ascended to heaven so that we could have the Holy Spirit dwell in us as believers in Jesus. Today's message, the emphasis is going to be learning to walk by the Spirit. Last week, Uh, we started thinking about and looking at the book of Romans and how it's God's Spirit's work and power that will change and grow us. And so we're going to look at kind of part two of that idea, and then we're going to get into other aspects of the Holy Spirit in the weeks to come. Uh, I read this verse last week. I want to read it again from Ezekiel. This is one of the, the incredible realities of the, what the Bible calls the New Covenant, how we relate to God through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Uh, this is what happens in the inside of a Christian. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. So one of the incredible realities of being a Christian is that we can actually change. We can grow. We, we, we get transformed from the inside out. Okay, um, I'm going to do a little personality divider here in the room. How many of you like free stuff? Like you'll, you'll take anything free? Like three of you. <laughs> and how many of you like, don't take it? It probably has a catch. Okay, some of you. Well, I love free stuff. My, my wife, Mary, is mo- much more of the category, don't, don't take it. We have enough stuff sitting around, and it, there might be a catch. Well, if you were shopping at Lowe's, let's say, mid-April. One of the things that Lowe's was doing for some reason is they were handing out free plant seeds uh, to anybody that would take them and it was my turn to take one. So I took a pack of tomato seeds and uh, I thought this is great. For some reason they cost like 30 cents but just getting them handed to you it just it changes everything inside of me. So uh, I got really excited and I thought I'll go home. Uh, My gardening days are, are on hold at this point in my life but I thought I'll just plant them in a flower pot, and we'll see what happens. And it's just amazing to me, these little seeds that look like nothing, you plant them in dirt, you water them, you put them in the sunlight, and then little by little, they start to grow. Now, if you're in my backyard right now, you'll see that not all of them survived, but many of them survived, and now they have tomatoes on them, all from this little seed that was given to me for free. It's a beautiful thing. And so if all goes well, I'll be eating tomatoes from compliments to Lowe's in a month or so. Well, spiritually speaking, we're like that. So if you think about yourself, you were born with a sinful nature. We were born enemies of God. We didn't have a relationship with God. The seed of the gospel gets planted in us, and then God's Holy Spirit makes us alive, and we begin to grow and sprout. And grow fruit and change. And some really grow abundantly. Some aren't like the, the tomato plant that I have that will be, you know, have some tomatoes, but not, not crazy amounts. Some of you have gardens that have tomato plants with crazy amounts of tomatoes on them. So today we're gonna look at how how can we grow fruitful as Christians? Why are some Christians alive and have some growth but but not a lot and some seem to just be filled and packed with with growth and change and fruit all kinds of good stuff have you ever wondered why some grow fast and some grow slow some grow abundantly and some grow sparsely what role do we play in that that growth so that's what we're going to look at learning to walk by the spirit and our passage today is galatians 5:16 through 26, I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we're going to slowly work our way through it. So This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Galatians. He has just laid out the gospel that we're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, not by good deeds. And he, he just keeps hammering it, and now he's going to talk about how that should affect the way we live as followers of Jesus. So verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the de- desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. They, they oppose each other. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're free. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So what we're going to do, we're going to ask three questions, and hopefully answer three questions from the passage today. How do we walk by the Spirit? What are the consequences of giving in to our sinful desires, what what Paul's calling the works of the flesh? And what is the effect of a lifelong pursuit of walking by the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit? So first one, how do we walk by the Spirit? He says in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So this is a call to do something. So as Tim shared um, during our, our time of singing, that it's not just come to church or go to a small group, but there's more to the Christian life than just several duties that are good things to do. Walking by the Spirit is being dependent on the Holy Spirit to, to every day be in His Word, growing and learning and marveling at who He is and what He's like. By casting our cares On Him and asking Him for help and asking Him to fill us with His Spirit and to pour out His presence upon us. It is a daily dependency on the Lord. And if we're doing that, then we're much less likely to gratify the works of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. That's the sinful thoughts and 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 things that are inside of us because of our original nature. A a lot of theologians uh, refer to this as indwelling sin or the enemy within, the sin that remains. So if you are a Christian, you should have a conflict inside of you at times. There should be times where you want to do the right thing and you want to do the wrong thing at the exact same time. And you feel that. Why do I say you should have that? Because prior to God's Spirit come inside of you, you didn't have that. There was no conflict. So there are times where it might hit you out of the blue that you are maybe on your way to church. You're driving to church. You got kids in the car. We're going to sing. We're going to meet people. We're going to welcome people. And... You even read your Bible before you came. It was like a good Sunday morning. So you're in the car. Let's say you're the driver of the car, and you look around. Nobody's in the car yet. Oh, that's okay. They're probably getting ready. And then ten minutes goes, and fifteen minutes goes, and now you're on the horn, and you're texting them, you're calling them, and then you get out of the car, and and dad or mom is just angry now. Come on, kids. We got to get to church. We want to worship. Jesus, Um, what happened there? There's a conflict. Uh, Years ago, when my son Isaac was three, he is now 19, we were in a large church in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and it was kind of that scenario. And my wife's not the most punctual. I can like simply crave to be on time. And so that scenario was playing out once again. And we had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And we get to the church parking lot and we're still late. And I'm, I'm much more preoccupied with what I was in school at the time, what people thought of me and all kinds of things. So I just turn around and not thinking, not looking, I accidentally slam my son Isaac's hand in the van door and it shuts tight on his hand. And I was like, oh, crud! <laughs> and so fortunately it wasn't broken. We get out and, and Mary's just like, giving me the stare. <laughs> and, and, and then I'm feeling convicted from the Lord. Well, what happened there? I really woke up that morning wanting to worship Jesus. But then sinful desires and cravings kind of took over. Well, there was a battle. There was a conflict. That conflict is because you have an old nature and a new nature. This is how Paul describes it in Romans 7. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, the law of sin. So there's this war inside and it can be really discouraging at times. It can be you, you can think am I ever going to grow in this area? Am I ever going to change? Remember if you are a believer in Jesus God, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the grave dwells in you. You can change. You can grow. You do not have to give in to that old Nature. Look at verses 17 and 18. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other. They don't like each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. See, the Holy Spirit will empower you to give you freedom that you don't have to keep going back to your old desires and your old Nature, but the key for a Christian is connecting with the Lord on a very regular basis, so that we grow spiritually strong. Listen to this verse from John 15. This is Jesus talking. So picture uh, a grapevine or uh, even a tree as you're, you're trying to picture this image. I am the vine; you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So Jesus is the vine. He's the source of life, and we're like the branches. And uh, the way the branches have fruit, have growth, have life, is by staying connected to the vine. If you cut off a branch from the vine, what happens? It withers, it dies. So we need to be connected to the vine for our source of life, for our source of power. So it's not a wonder that if a Christian only opens the Bible once a week or prays when something hard is happening, it's not really a mystery why they're not as vibrant as someone who in the worst of the, their days and in their best of their days, just keeps going through God's Word, keeps talking to the Lord, keeps singing to the Lord, keeps gathering with God's people. This has nothing to do with God accepting us. He accepts us because of what Jesus has done on our behalf when He hung and bled and died on the cross. But this has everything to do with the quality and vibrancy of our Christian life. And as pastors, we want you guys to be vibrant. We want you to experience the joy that Jesus purchased for you. Last Sunday, I was on a bike ride with my son. He was doing a run, and we were on the hoodle bug, and I got a flat tire. So the air is just, it's, it's going quickly out of the tire. Now, I could still technically ride the bike the wheel could still go around but it wasn't near as effective as when the the tire is full has the full psi that it requires because then i can just roll i can roll really fast well that's kind of like when we are not pursuing the lord on a regular basis you are you can still roll but it's a bumpy roll it's a it's not a real pleasant experience it's a up and down Experience. See, God wants way more for you than that bumpy experience. When it comes to battling sin, so you, maybe there's certain areas of your life you think, I just want to be free. I think there are different ways to, to, to tackle those things. Sometimes, well-intended, but not really effective, is we, we just fixate on that particular sin. So whatever it is, whether it's anger or lust, or you just think about, I'm going to, I'm going to tackle it. It's not usually real effective, be- because all you end up doing is, is thinking about it. So I'll give you a little example. We're going to do a, a group exercise. So I want you right now, the only thing I want you to do for the next 30 seconds is not picture a large purple elephant, okay? So I want it out of your mind for the next 30 seconds. Do not picture in your mind a large purple elephant. Hard to do, right? Because it's told you not to do it. So all you're doing is thinking about a large purple elephant. See, there's two kind of big theological words that, that theologians use to describe how we grow and fight sin. One is mortify. Mortification, it's kill the sin. So there's a part of that. And this passage has a part of that. The other, the other is a, a word we don't use very much. It's called vivify or vivification. It's, it's, it's learning to connect to the source of life, which is God's Holy Spirit, to do the, the positive things um, in our pursuit of the Lord that, that really will produce incredible growth. One, one image way to think about it is the Bible uses the, the concept in, in Galatians 6 of sowing and reaping. What you... What you feed will grow. If we feed our sinful nature, it will grow. If we feed God's Spirit in us, it will grow. So let's go to the second question. What are We're going to look at the negative, and then we're going to end on the positive. What are the consequences to a life of giving to the deeds of the flesh? If you want to be a miserable Christian, if you thought, I just want to be a miserable Christian. I'd like to be a Christian, but a very miserable, conflicted, No joy, a lot of pain, a lot of turmoil, a lot of strife inside. Here's what you need to do. Verse um, 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. If you want to be a miserable Christian, just dive into these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. That's looking to anything as a God that's not God himself. Sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, dive headlong into your remaining sinful cravings and desires. The tricky thing about sin is it promises pleasure. At least many of them do. But on the, and some have a temporary pleasure connected to them. But then as you go through it, you, you get spit out the other side. There's heartache, there's regret, there's guilt, there's shame, and there's misery. That's not the life God has purchased for you in Jesus. And some temptations for each of us, this list is not exhaustive. There are other lists of sins in the New Testament, and there are probably some on here that are more tempting to you and some that are far less tempting to you. If it is a particular sin that is tempting to you, it is very appropriate to flee from that temptation. Let's say drunkenness is a huge temptation for you, that you are tempted to go to alcohol for refuge and relief and to get drunk. And you've been convicted by the Lord to not go there. Well, the best way to do that is to not go there. To not go to a place that serves alcohol. To to be radical. Now, there are other Christians that have freedom. They can drink alcohol responsibly, not get drunk. And it's not a temptation to sin. And so we don't want to put our personal convictions where there is freedom in the Bible... We want to allow there to be freedom, but you know yourself and do not be deceived if, if it is a strong temptation. Flee and there will be power and freedom and joy. There's nothing worse than a Christian who has a just a deeply convicted conscience because you know you you're, you're, you're You're feeding stuff that you shouldn't be feeding. And you're you're playing with with fire in in many ways. And you know it's just a matter of time before there are consequences. So be radical. We're not going to look at this passage, but look up on your own, Matthew 5, verses 27 and following, and just see Jesus' radical advice to flee from any kind of thing that is tempting you. See, Jesus, See, God, He he warns us because He loves us. So one way to think about the warnings in Scripture is it really is an expression of God's love to you. So you have this conflict. Let's say um, lust is a, a strong temptation for you. Male or female, it's just a strong temptation. You do not have to give in to it. As a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus, you really do not. No matter how powerful or intense it feels, you have been set free by Jesus Christ. You do not have to give in to it. Uh, Growing up, I I lived in a, a neighborhood and we had a farmhouse below us. And so it was easier to go to the bus stop by taking a shortcut through my backyard. The problem was our neighbor with the farmhouse had a dog that was fierce and mean looking and chained to a doghouse. What I learned is that the the dog could only go so far. So that dog could yip and bark and show its teeth and, yeah, I'm still running fast, but it couldn't touch me. Well, that's the same with your sinful nature. It may bark and yell and growl and call to you, but you do not have to give in to it at all. Galatians 5.21 has this really sober warning. So we got to deal with this sober warning as he goes through that long list of, of sins. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things, the list that he just mentioned, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now if you look up this verse, there are a number of Christians that will, will interpret this verse in different ways. So I would encourage you to wrestle through this verse on your own, read it in context, and do your homework, um, and be persuaded of what it, what it means. What I think it means, and this, there are many others who believe this as well, is that, let's just walk through it. I warn you as I warn you before. So nobody's debating Paul is warning Christians to, to stay away from sin. No matter what position somebody lands on this passage, everybody says, no, that's, it's really a warning. This is a warning. Do not do it. Do not go there. So that, that part's simple. Those who do such things, your Bible, depending on your translation, may say practice such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. The, the idea of do such things or practice such things is this ongoing habitual practice of sin. And I think that's the key to understanding this verse. It's, in other words, Paul is saying, if your life looks no different than someone who has not encountered Jesus Christ, put their trust in Jesus Christ, been transformed, been born again, been given that new heart that Ezekiel promised, then you need to really evaluate where you stand with the living God. It's tricky because what it's not saying is that it's not saying that Christians won't struggle with these sins. There are Christians that will struggle. There are people in this room that have struggled. We have struggled with these things to some degree. But that is different than a headlong practice, habitual giving in with no conflict, no internal conflict, no wrestling of the soul. Just a full in dive. So I really do believe that he is distinguishing between those who have been made alive by the Spirit who are truly Christians and those who are not. Because those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We see elsewhere in Scripture in the New Testament, we we looked at a passage last week, that all of God's kids will inherit something. We are joint heirs with Christ. So we are inheritance... Inherit tours, I don't know if that's a word, we inherit from God himself. So if you are just totally enslaved with no internal conflict at all, maybe you know some things about the Bible, maybe you pray to prayer, but there's no life in you. You need to call out to Jesus. You need to ask him to forgive you. You need to ask him to help you to turn from these things and confess. It is true, you are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. But if you are saved by faith alone in Christ alone, God, the Holy Spirit, is in you. And so there will be change. There will be growth. It may be so slow, tiny, minimal. But it will be growth. So, Take stock. Now, what this isn't calling us to do is to be God. So, when we see somebody struggling, I don't think we should just say, Hey, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. You're not growing. Because we don't know what's going on in the inside of somebody. We don't know where the conflict is. We don't know where the struggle is. We don't know what they're communicating to the Lord. So, we want to patiently help them and love them and walk through them, or walk life through with them. But it is a warning, and we should take heed of the warning. It's a warning for Christians. I think it's a warning for non-Christians. The purpose of a warning is to protect and to help. Those of us who who raised toddlers, at least our approach with with life or death type things was very direct. Before they learned how to swim, if if you fall in this water, you will drown. You will die. Now, we did that in love. It's not the only thing we said. Uh, if you put your, your hand in this, this outlet, it will shock you. It could kill you. So it's a warning to, to be really clear. I remember when I was probably in fifth grade or so, my, we had a wood stove, and so it was, a, it was a normal thing to on a weekend to go to my Uncle Ward's house. My dad and my grandfather would cut down trees. I would run the log splitter and... Um, so we were doing that one winter day, and we were kind of done that. And he had a pond. It was frozen with ice, but it wasn't that, that cold. And so I was walking on the ice just out of curiosity. Um, I think I was with my cousin. I can't remember who I was with, but with somebody. And my Uncle Ward, who was an older man at the time, he comes full sprint just screaming at me to get off of the ice. Why was he doing that? Because he didn't want me to die. He didn't want me to fall through the ice. I could not see the danger that he could see. And so he did that in love. So this may be a call to some of you. You're in danger. You're walking on thin ice. Come clean before the Lord. We have a prayer team. We want to pray for you and encourage you and and, and give you faith. The Lord will give you faith to, to walk through this. That's the negative side, so let's just end with the positive here. What is the effect of a lifelong pursuit of walking by the Spirit? This is the vision I want you to have. I want you to picture an orchard. I live near Sleepy Hollow Orchard. So in August, Sleepy Hollow Orchard should be loaded with apple trees that are loaded with apples, just loaded. That should be the picture of every local church that loves Jesus, that preaches the Bible, that there's individuals that are just very fruitful and there's a whole bunch of them. This is God's will for you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another to anger. As you spend time with the Lord, as you stay connected to the vine, as you day by day open God's Word, marvel at who He is, what He's like, How he has related to you in Jesus. How patient he has been with you. How kind he is to you. How gracious he is to you. That image that Marcy shared of all of our worries. He just washes it off. It's a new day. It is a new day. All those things as you spend time with the Lord. Here's what will happen. There will be an increase of love. Joy. Internal peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, all of those qualities are supernatural. Holy Spirit produced in you. Here's the problem, though. Even when these fruits are starting to pop up in our lives, because it's you, because you know what's going on in your mind and heart and the inside all the time, we just can't see the growth like other people can. And so as a church, as a church family, one of the things that we should be doing often is encouraging one another where we see God's work in each other's lives. If you remember somebody once was really angry and now they're kind and gentle, remind them of that. If you see joy in somebody in the midst of a difficult time, point that out to them. Well, the way you are responding is absolutely totally 100% supernatural let's be a church that it really tries to build up and encourage one another what we're going to do today is i'm just going to end the service in prayer and as i end if the prayer team could come up we're not going to sing a song at the end today and um, i'm just going to wrap up but i would really encourage you if you want prayer if you feel stuck you feel discouraged If you need anything, we want to pray for you. So let's all stand. We'll close by reading John 15, 5, and then we're going to pray. If you never memorized a verse in your life, this would be a great one to memorize. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we want to be fruitful for you. We want to make an impact for you. We want to be different. We want to be transformed. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do that in the lives of everyone in this room, everyone watching online, that we would grow in our dependency of you and our joy that's found in you alone. We thank you that you have paid for every single one of our sins when you died on the cross and rose from the grave. We love you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.